All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? It's awesome to be together worshiping the Lord, and I want to say welcome to everybody who's connecting with us online. So good to be together. Uh, In previous weeks of Summer by the Sea, we embarked on a new adventure together to the Sea of Galilee, and many place it among the most beautiful lakes in the world. It's also known as the Lake of Jesus, for it's here in and around the Sea of Galilee where the majority of the ministry of Jesus occurred. Um, We started our journey on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee in a small fishing village named Capernaum, and this is where Jesus called his first disciples, and we saw a few weeks ago how Jesus called ordinary people, just like you and me, to follow him, And, and, and Jesus gives out this call to discipleship for every one of us, which is a call to follow Jesus, fish for people, and belong to a family. We said that's our a definition of a disciple. Now, in those days, observant Jews would stick mainly to the northwest region of the Sea of Galilee. The other side, as it was often referred to, was a primarily Gentile area called the Decapolis, which was ten cities built up by the Jews and the Romans, and it represented everything that was unclean and, uh, and, and uh, evil and worldly and immoral and ungodly. It was certainly not Jewish. And you can imagine the surprise of the disciples one day when Jesus said, hey, get in the boat. We're headed over to the other side. They weren't too happy about that at all. And um, as Max talked about last week, uh, I'm just, I'm really proud of Max, by the way. He did an awesome job. Uh, Max talked about last week how the disciples begin sailing across the lake and a fierce storm kicks up and the disciples are scared. And uh, it must have felt like confirmation to them that they shouldn't be going to the other side of the lake. So they start crying out to Jesus, who, by the way, is pretty relaxed. And uh, we read in Matthew chapter 8, the disciples went and woke Jesus, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Absolutely terrified. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then Jesus got up, he rebuked the winds and the waves. It was completely calm. How about that? The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Love that story. And uh, many times read how Jesus calms the storm. I think... Man, that was an amazing story. That's got to be the end of the story. You know what? It wasn't the end of the story. I think, oh yeah, they went back home. Uh Uh-uh. They kept sailing for the other side. And when they arrive, what do they meet but a man possessed by demons? What a crazy day for the disciples. First a storm, then a demoniac. Crazy. And, uh... If you've ever been to Sight and Sound and seen Jesus, and not actually Jesus, but, you know, like the production of Jesus, uh, there's a great scene, got to be one of my favorite scenes in the whole production, where Jesus and the disciples are crossing to the other side, and they they start to come ashore, and they, they see this demoniac just waiting for them. And one of the disciples cries out, what are we doing here? And Jesus explains. He says, we're 
We're leaving the 99 to rescue the one. Isn't that beautiful? Now the disciple protests to rescue the one. He leads us across the sea through a storm that nearly drowns us to help some lunatic in chains. We're not supposed to be here. And one of the disciples, another disciple, chimes in and says, oh, you've already forgotten. He says, forgotten what? He says, when you were the one. And Jesus came and rescued you. Well, today we're going to look at this incredible story. When Jesus crosses the sea to set a man free. And I just think what a day that would have been. For those disciples, first Jesus demonstrates his power over nature and he calms a storm. And then coming to the other side, they meet a man possessed by demons and Jesus demonstrates his power over the supernatural realm and these spiritual forces of evil. And in both cases, Jesus demonstrates his power with a word. That's all it takes. Storm, still. Demons, flee. And it leaves the disciples and it leaves every one of us today asking, what kind of man is this? And today I want to show you that at the name of Jesus, the demons flee. And it's a powerful, powerful truth. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 8 as we continue this journey across the sea. Matthew 8, beginning in verse 28. Now, maybe you've wondered, you know, are demons real? How do they affect our life? You know, can, can Jesus set us free? It's going to be a very interesting mo uh, morning this morning and a very interesting study. We want to answer some of those questions. So Matthew 8, 28 through 34. I'll read it for you. Verse 28, pick it up there. It says, when Jesus arrived at the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, this is that Gentile area, would have been unclean, certainly not Jewish. These two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, Son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us to the herd of pigs. Jesus said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off and went to town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. Who is this Jesus? He's not an ordinary man. He's a man of tremendous power and authority. Even the demons tremble. We're going to be looking at this today. Let's pray. God, thank you for this moment to gather together in your house. We thank you for the Spirit of God here today, even now. We ask that you would come and you would meet with us through your word, Lord. Thank you for the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. We truly are on holy ground as we see what Jesus can do, not only 
2,000 years ago, but the power of Jesus in our world and in our lives. We pray that we would be uh, inspired and encouraged to trust you more, more and more every day. So thank you for this time. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're looking at this story where Jesus meets a man possessed by demons. And uh, we don't talk about demons a lot. So I want to just give a little bit of teaching this morning from this passage about what we can learn about uh, demons and the spiritual realm. The first thing we learn in this passage today is that demons are real. Spiritual warfare and the subject of Satan and demons can be a, a particularly discomforting topic for some, but it's highly important because demons are real and they harass God's people like we see in this passage and they oppose God. They're, they really are um, a force in this world that we need to talk about. You know, as to the reality of demons, one of the best insights comes from C.S. Lewis in his uh, prelude to the amazing book, uh, uh, not Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters. And this is what he writes. He says there's two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. What a really great insight for us this morning as we, we kick off our time together. You know, in other words, Satan is very pleased when somebody becomes fascinated by horror and spiritual darkness and evil. That's one of the ways that these spiritual forces of evil can get control over our lives through this unhealthy interest in demonic powers and things like that. But, but look, it, I think this is important. Satan is just as happy today if we don't believe in him. It actually makes his job a whole lot easier. And so we as Christians, it's just the same. We don't want to be naive about these spiritual forces of evil. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.11... In order that Satan might not outwit us, we're not unaware of his schemes. So we don't want to be unaware of these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We as Christians need a balanced and realistic view of Satan and his influence. The Bible certainly teaches that Satan and demons are real. Jesus was tempted by Satan. Uh, many times in the Gospels, Jesus actually casts Demons out of people? Think about that. That's crazy, right? And so here in Matthew chapter 8, we have one of eight instances, in, specific instances in the Gospels where Jesus casts out demons. Now in our story, the disciples have crossed to the other side of the lake. And immediately coming ashore, they meet a man possessed by demons, according to Mark and Luke. Now, here in Matthew, Matthew actually mentions two men. How about that? Look at verse 28. When Jesus arrived at the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. So let's start with this. What are demons? The Bible teaches that demons are fallen angels who've sinned against God, and now they're continually working evil in this world. Now, these two men in our passage are actually demon-possessed. What's that? That means that these demons have actually, these men have actually come under the 
possession of demonic darkness. That's a crazy thing. And if I could illustrate with a story, I, I was mowing my lawn one spring, uh, one spring day, and as I went past the side of my house, I noticed a little bee crawl through a hole into my house. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. You know, a bee just crawled into my house, and, but you know, it's just a bee, right? Not a big deal. A few weeks later, uh, Angie's doing some homeschool with the kids in the dining room and start to notice a, a bee or two here and there. Like, that's kind of weird, not, but it's just a bee or two, right? So I let it go to the fall, and uh, it was time to go down and change my furnace filter in the crawl space. And I went down into my crawl space, and I just about wet my pants because there wasn't just a bee. There was a whole beehive, and I was kind of freaking out. And so, uh, but I was also curious, so I grabbed a stick and I poked the hive. Never do that. Never do that. It's not as strong as you think it is. Right? It immediately punctured the hive and thousands of bees started spewing into my crawl space. I ran out of there as fast as I could, shut the door, turned off the lights, and began praying to God. I called the exterminator to cast those demons out. I did. And that's what has happened to these two men. Demons have come in. They've made their home in their life. They've taken possession. They've taken control. Now, some people wonder, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And the answer is, no. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. The Bible teaches that we as Christians are temples of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit of God, the spirit of holiness and goodness lives inside of you. I love uh, that 1 John 2, or sorry, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. So no, a Christian cannot be possessed by demons. Can a non-Christian be demon-possessed? A fully. And they are in the Bible. Jesus deals with many of them. And so you can, through the flesh and through the world, open the door for, to welcome demonic powers into your life and your thoughts and in your heart and your body and soul. Some people have multiples. In Mark and Luke, the demons call themselves legion in this man because he's got so many demons in him. So this is real. Demonic power, demonic influence. But I think we as Christians have to acknowledge the reality today of spiritual warfare in the life of a believer. So, no, a Christian cannot be possessed by demons. But we can experience spiritual attack. We can experience things like temptation. We can experience Right? Demonic powers. And Paul wants to raise our awareness of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6.12, and he says this. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And it's often been said that we as Christians have three great enemies. You know them? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And so I just want to raise our awareness today as we look at this passage that demons are real and we need to be aware. Right? We need to understand Satan and his schemes.
All right, number two. Uh, demons are evil. They're evil. They hate God. Right? They don't like God at all. And they really do use their power to destroy people's lives. We see that in these two demoniacs. And I'll just highlight a couple of the ways. Look again at Matthew 8.28. Matthew 8.28. When Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Wow, that's crazy, right? So first, Jesus finds these men living among the tombs. In those days, in that region, a lot of times you would find tombs in caves. So these two guys could be living in these caves. Sometimes tombs would be cut into the rock, and that would be a place of burial. But just, just recall that tombs are places for dead bodies. And these two demoniacs are living among the tombs. And I think it's just, we don't want to miss here, that Satan's ultimate agenda for every one of us is for us to not enjoy the, the, the joy and light and brightness of the universe. Satan literally wants to bring us to a place of death. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that you can live life and life to the full, right? Jesus came that we might have life, spiritual life, and Satan opposes that, right? He wants to bring us to a place of not only spiritual death, but all kinds of, of chaos and turbulence, and he can do that through money, he can do it through lies, he can do it through pride, he can do it through addiction, he can do it through self-harm and suicidal thoughts, through bad company and broken marriages, Satan has so many tools at his disposal, but he doesn't want us to find our life and life to the full in Jesus Christ. But notice the second detail here in Matthew chapter 8. We see how the influence of these evil spirits brings on anger. That's crazy. It says they were so violent that no one could pass their way. So, so people come by and they start getting hot and there are outbursts of anger and aggression it actually reminds me of another story in the Bible, which you can find in the Old Testament. You might remember how David would come and he'd play his harp for King Saul. And it's like so sweet. David's like, you know, chilling on his harp. And the Bible says that an evil spirit would come on Saul and he would get so angry, he'd grab his spear and throw it at David in an attempt to kill him. And so we see in both passages, you know, this, this demonically induced anger. Now, we can get angry, right? All of us have gotten angry at times. And I think sometimes we should be angry at things that happen in this world, which is by the Bible says, be angry and don't sin. But what we might not realize is that sometimes anger is demonic. And Satan loves to get inroads into our life through anger. Listen to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. I find this interesting. This is what you might call the ordinary demonic. So we have extraordinary demonic, where you have, you know, people groveling and, you know, shaking and all those kinds. Of, this is just your ordinary demonic. And Satan's very happy just to use anger. This is what it says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. 
And what Paul's saying here is that our stored up anger could actually be a foothold for the devil. Isn't that interesting? Uh, think about it like a rock climber. He uses this word foothold. Now, if you're, you, you imagine a rock climber, and he's standing before this, this like sheer rock cliff. And it almost looks impossible to climb. But all it takes is one foothold. That's it. You just need one. You can kind of climb up. And then maybe another, you climb some more. And a climber through these footholds can scale to incredible heights. And what, it's the same thing how, in what Satan does in our own life. He's looking at us, he's looking at our lives, and he's saying, where can I find a foothold? Where can I climb in and bring chaos and devastation and destruction? And so he's looking for these footholds. And anger could be one of those footholds. Do you have bitterness towards another person? Is there unresolved anger? Yeah, Satan could be at work in that. Spiritual darkness. And the Bible says the way that we get free of that is through forgiveness. Right? Jesus wants to bring freedom to our lives. And, and today that could just be the step of saying, I forgive this person. I'm going to let it go. And that forgiveness brings freedom into our life. What are some other ways that, this, that the enemy can find a foothold in our life? I think he could do it through lies. Right? Lies about us, lies about God. Oh, you know, you're not, you can't, God won't. Satan lies. He's the father of lies. And he will use lies to get a foothold in our life. There are other ways, things like, like false spirituality. You know, I heard a great story last night about uh, a girl who was getting ready for a dance competition and uh, the, the instructor said, all right, before we go out there, we're all going to meditate together. And she had the discernment to go, you know what? I'm not going to meditate. And she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray that God blesses us in this competition. Right? We don't want to give the devil a foothold through things like false religion and false spirituality. He has so many tools at his disposal. Um, and he's looking for those handholds and footholds. So this is what we want to understand today. Number one, demons are real. Number two, demons are evil. They attack God's people. But we don't want to be naive, nor do we live in fear because of who Jesus is. Jesus came to set us free. And that's why I love this last one. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. That's how awesome Jesus is. The demons tremble. We don't have to be afraid. So we begin to see in our story that Jesus is awesome. He's more powerful than all the spiritual forces of evil combined. And look at this. When Jesus arrives on the scene, the demons tremble. Check this out. Verse 29. What do you want with us? Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the important, appointed time? They're freaking out, guys. Do you see it? I think it's pretty highly important that we recognize today the demons already know who Jesus is. Now the disciples, we learned last week, they're still kind of figuring it out. It's not going to be for a few more chapters where Peter finally confesses Jesus is the Son of God. So they're still learning. The demons know. They know who Jesus is and they are trembling. 
Later on in the New Testament, James picks up on this idea, the demons tremble, and, and he actually uses this idea to speak to people who say, I believe in Jesus, but they're not living it out. How many of you know there's a little bit more to the Christian faith than just professing, I believe in Jesus, and, and James says, oh, you believe in Jesus, you believe there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Wow. So let me tell you. Here, this passage, we have trembling demons. They're freaking out. Listen to what they shout. I love this. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? They're saying, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, it's not time yet, is it? You know, we, we know... We know our time is short. We know the prophecy. Seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but surely not yet. Surely you're here too early, Jesus. See, they already know their time is limited. Because the power of Jesus Christ. You guys think evil and lies are going to go on forever and ever? Uh-uh. Jesus is putting a stop to that. Better believe it. And Jesus speaks in Matthew 25, 41 of the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The fire's prepared. It's already hot. Jesus just got to speak the word and they're gone. Why do you think when Jesus arrives, the demonic world is shaking and freaking out because they know who Jesus is. They know the power of Jesus Christ. They know all authority belongs to him and they know He's sending them to the pit someday, and they're not ready to go. You look at the next verse, verse 31. The demons beg Jesus, if you drive us out, send us to the herd of pigs. Please don't destroy us, Jesus. They're begging, begging, begging. Just the herd of pigs. Let us go to the pigs. And uh, he sends them. He obliges. Go. He just says one word. They're gone. Uh, those of you who know the story, it doesn't go very well for the pigs. right? They just psh, off the cliff into the water. Verse 32, he said to them, go. And they came out and went into the pigs. The whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Right? They're, they're free now. They're free of all this darkness. And the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with Jesus, leave the region. Guys, how awesome is Jesus? Isn't he pretty awesome? I hope you see it today. This battle between good and evil, it's not like, it's not like yin and yang. You guys see that like yin-yang symbol and you got darkness and light and it's an evil battle? That's not what we're looking at here. The battle between good and evil is not an equal battle. And the end for evil has already been declared. Right? Jesus has all authority. He has all power. It's like when he stills the steed. He, he is fully in control over the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And all he has to do is say a word and the demons flee. And I think it's important for us to recognize today in our own spiritual battles... Demons are unwanted intruders. And at the command of Jesus, they must go. The fear must go. And the lies must go. 
in the name of Jesus. He wants to set you free because of how much he loves you. Just like he loved these two men. In fact, 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared. Why did Jesus come? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now I got a question. What's the devil's work? It's to get us to sin. And because of sin, we welcome demonic powers into our life. But look what Jesus has done. He has conquered Satan and demons through the cross. Now, probably the most stunning text issue is Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Oh, an amazing verse here. It says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. You were spiritually alive. He forgave all our sins. That's a great truth. He forgave all of your sins. Every one of them. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a pub public spectacle of them. He sent them to the pigs. Triumphing over them by the cross. That's our Jesus. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he conquered sin, Satan, and death. And the demons have been defeated. Christ is the victor. So look at this. We got it. Demons are real, number one. Demons are evil, number three. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. And the very first step of freedom today is to invite Jesus into your life. Just like these two men invited Jesus into their life. That's where freedom is found, in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, we read here, to forgive all of our sins. Is there even a single sin that Jesus will not forgive? Absolutely not. Complete and total forgiveness. There's a new relationship with God. We're alive with Christ. And the way we receive that today is not through religion. It's not through our own efforts. But it is simply through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome? How about for us as we go through the spiritual battle? Number one, be aware. There are spiritual battles. There could be some sort of spiritual attack on your life. And you know, you guys know Satan plays dirty, right? When does he, when does he come for Jesus? After 40 days of fasting. When he's hungry, when he's isolated, when he's tired, Satan does not play fair. So you better believe if you're worn out, if you're tired, if you've been sick, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So let's be aware of his schemes. But let's also remember the power of Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus. You just say, be gone in the name of Jesus, and the demons will flee because they tremble at his name. The victory of Jesus is our victory, and the battle has already been won. So let's pray. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the incredible power of Jesus. You loved us so much. You came to set us free in a world where there is darkness, where there is evil. And sometimes it can even come in different ways in oppressing us. We, we want to cling to the cross of Jesus Christ today. And we thank you that Jesus controls all things. He has all authority over the powers and principalities. And so I just pray for each person in this room today. For those who might be battling the lies, 
for those who might be believing lies about themselves or might be experiencing fear of some sort or, or maybe the enemy is using a, a painful situation to just bring depression or anger or whatever that is. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are free. In the name of Jesus, you are whole and you are alive and you are forgiven. So thank you that there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we stand today in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we stand in his power. So thank you for freedom. Freedom to let your Holy Spirit work in our lives. And we pray that you would fill us up to the full. And you would allow us in the midst of darkness to shine the glorious light of Jesus Christ to all who might see. We love you, God. We give you the glory. Let us decrease so that Jesus might increase. Let your freedom reign in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.